Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. What is up, Radiant Church? Is anybody excited to be at church today? If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron Burke, and I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. We are one church with five locations joining me right now. We have our South Tampa location. You're looking great, guys. It's good to see you guys in the room. And then we have those that are joining us in St. Petersburg, those that are with us in Brandon at our Heights location. And then I was just with you guys in the chat. There's hundreds of you guys on Church Online, YouTube, Facebook. We celebrate what God is doing on Church Online, and Pastor John is Sarah doing a great job hosting today. And I want to just welcome all of those who are with us for the very first time. Maybe the first time you're joining us online, first time in one of our locations. We want you to know you're in the right place today. You could have done anything with your Sunday and you made a good decision to come to church. Radiant, let's celebrate our guests one more time today. Well, we are in part three of a series that we are calling Church and State, Church and State, where we are discussing all things politics, the elections, everything that's going on in government right now, and I understand that this is a touchy subject, and I have gotten quite the response from people over the last few weeks, so uh, well, I asked for it, I'm the one that signed up to do it, but I think if you're discussing it around your dinner table, you might as well be discussing it at your church. Can I hear a good amen? And I think for far too long, the church is answering questions that nobody's asking, so why not let's address things that people are actually thinking about and talking about. So we're discussing all things politics. And so I started it two weeks ago. And if you have your app with your notes, I want you to open it up right now. If you're in one of our physical locations and you got those paper notes, I want you to take them out right now. Because two weeks ago, I made a statement that I just want to remind you of today, especially as we are going into an election in just a few, a little less than, a little more than one week from now. Let me just remind you, Radiant Church, that we are Christians first and we are American citizens second. So let us look at our behaviors and our actions and the way we conduct ourselves during this time as Christians first. Can I hear a good amen at every location right now? We just need to be reminded about that. Now, while we are Christians first, I want to tell you that while we are on this planet, God has given us a responsibility. He has given us things that we are to do. So we're not, because we're believers and we're, because we're part of a kingdom not of this world, it doesn't negate us from the fact that we have a role to play in the world that we're in today. I think God was very specific with your life. I think he formed you and fashioned you and placed you at the exact place he wanted you in history because he knew you could make a difference. Let me prove it to you. Acts chapter 17, it says it like this. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And look what he says. And he marked out their appointed times. Say appointed times. Like God thought it was best for you to live in 2020. Aren't you grateful it wasn't 1720? Can I hear a good amen? 
Like, I'm just thankful that God chose 2020, the year of Netflix and, and year of like, we have smartphones and, and cars. I'm just thankful for the times we live in right now. And then he said, and he put the boundaries of your lands. Like he, he, he designed, okay, I want them to live in the Tampa Bay area. He loved you so much. He didn't put you in North Dakota. Sorry if you're in North Dakota and you're watching this message right now. He, he puts you in a certain spot. Why did he do that? Because he looked at your life and he said, they will be most impactful if they live in this time period and in this land. So here's what it means. You have something to do. You have some kind of assignment. And I would say you have an assignment during this election season. So I want to present to you today what one of your assignments, it's not your only assignment, but I would say your most important assignment, and I'm labeling the message this, you can write it down in your notes, the best way to make your voice count. What is the best way to make your voice count? Because we're in a world today where there's so much noise out there. I don't know about you, but I don't need one more brochure to come in my mailbox. I don't need one more political advertisement to tell me, listen, I know we need to vote. We got it. We all understand. Like, it's been bombarding us. There is noise after noise. The most recent stat is that the 2020 election will break every record and will end up costing in advertisements $10.8 billion. To put it in comparison, the next election that has cost the most was in 2016, and it was $7 billion. Do you think there's a lot of noise out there right now? There is, a, and you know it. What is it? Every time you watch something, there's another political advertisement. There's another post that's going out. There's another Instagram ad and, and Facebook ad. And then if, if, if they're not trying to do it, then we're trying to do it too. We're, we're sharing those things, and I've, I've got, I get emails all the time, Aaron, this will change everything. This one email, you read this one article. It all, everybody's got, everybody's got something to say during this time. How do we, as God's people, make our voice count during this time when there's so much noise out there? And I think we need to evaluate this because if we don't evaluate it, we just become one of many other voices out there that honestly, I think the whole world is mute to right now. I think everybody's kind of tuned it out and everybody's like, okay, let's just get through November 3rd. But I want you to know there is a way for you to make your voice count that whether people listen to you or not, it'll make a difference. So I want you to lean in today. This could be the most important message in the election season that you hear as a believer in a way to make your voice count. And I want you to write it down in your notes. Here it is. Here's the answer to the question. The most important way to make your voice count is simply this. Through prayer. Through prayer. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the power of a praying church. Now, I think even right now, as you heard that statement, there's people that are listening to this and go, oh, Aaron, oh, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. Come on, that's the Christian answer. That's the easy answer. That's the light answer. Come on, give me something real. That's the very reason we need to talk about prayer. We have made prayer a secondary thing that we do as like a nice little good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. And we forget the fact that us as believers, if we will pray, things will change and God wants to listen to our prayers. 
We are called to be a praying church, a people of prayer. And I would say the things that are in your life that are not improving are not improving because you've stopped praying. And as soon as we start to pray, watch how things will change in your life and watch how they'll change in our nation. Write it down in your notes this way. Prayer is not an important thing we do. It is the most important thing that we do. I'm gonna say it again for the people in the back. I want you to get this. Prayer is not an important thing that we do. It's not like we're Christians, we, we once in a while we pray at times. No, no, no. Prayer is the most important thing that we do. If you're watching online, throw it in the chat right now. I wanna hear you say prayer is the most important thing we do. Why? Because prayer is, connects us with power. It connects us with what God's agenda is on this earth today. And we are called to be a church that prays. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says it this way. I urge then, first of all. Now, he didn't say along with everything else you're doing. What did he say? He said, where does prayer fall at the life of a believer? First of all, ooh, that's a good place. I wish we had a culture where we would be able to present to people that prayer is the first thing that we do as a church. He says, first of all, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that petitions and prayer and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now pause, 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 pause right there. We look at that and we go, oh, that's nice. I need to pray for my family, need to pray for my kids, need to pray for my church. We understand that. But then he tells us who you should be praying for. And then he says the next verse right there. Ready? For kings. Now, we don't have kings in our democracy. We, we, you could put in there right there, and it would not be um, a misuse of the verse for your president. You should be praying for the, pre, for the president. You should be praying for both presidential candidates right now. For all, say the word all. Oh, no, no, no. Now, get this. He said the first thing that believers are called to do is to pray for their president and all of those who are in authority. A little convicting there for a second. I thought I'm supposed to pray for my spouse first and for my church. No, no, no. The first thing you do is pray for that. And here's why. He gives us a promise afterwards. He says, if you guys will pray for them, here's what will happen. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Is that 2020? Is that the world we're living in right now? Now, here's, here's what it is. When I look at the Bible, and I read it every single day, and when I read God's word, and I look at there, and I see a promise, and I look at it and realize I'm not experiencing that promise, then I have to go back to what was the obligation on my part? My part was to pray. God's part says he'll bring peaceful and quiet times in our life. So if you're not, and our nation is not, experiencing peaceful and quiet times right now, then how about the church of God wakes up and say, it's time for us to pray and do the first thing that God has called us to do as believers and be a praying church. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? That is why at Radiant Church, our prayer motto, if you don't know it, is that we pray first. We pray first. This is how we live our lives. We the problem with it is, as many times in our life, it's, we get angry first, we yell first, we stress first, we worry first, we post first, 
We share that tweet first. We doubt first. We protest first. Here's an even bigger issue. We even vote first. What a big mistake. But I'm going to challenge you guys as part of Radiant Church that we would make our first responsibility to that of prayer. That is why, and I say it all the time, but I'm going to continue to say it until we believe it and live it, that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort as believers. We live in such a way that prayer is our first response, not our last resort. So if you want to make your voice heard and want to make it count in this season, let me challenge you, pray, pray, pray. And that doesn't mean we don't do anything else. It means until we pray, we don't do anything else. But after we pray, then we can do all the other things that God's called us to do. But let us not be the people that jump the gun to action when we have not backed it first with prayer. And I want to challenge you in this season to be a church that prays. Why do we pray? Let me give you three reasons today of how your prayer is powerful and how your prayers can change things, not just in our nation, but I want to challenge you to pray for those things in your life that you have given up on because I believe prayer can even change those things. Number one, write it down your notes this way. Prayer aligns our heart with God's agenda. I want you to know God has an agenda during this season. He has things in our nation that he wants to get done. The problem with it is, is we are bombarded by everybody else's agenda right now. Everybody else has an agenda. You don't believe me? Everybody will say this one statement. This is the most important election in our lifetime. We all heard it a million times. And then if you ask people why, they all give you a response, but they all give you a different response. Why? Well, because of the coronavirus, because of the Supreme Court, because of immigration, because of abortion, because of taxes, because of religious liberty, because of the Middle East, because of the economy, because of racial issues. You talk to 10 people, everybody's got 10 things of why this is the most important election of our lifetime, and they're all very important. My question is, what's on God's agenda right now? We have been bombarded with what's in the world's agenda, but I think you need to figure out, understand that there's a way for you to figure out what does God want to do in this season. And I want you to know this, Jesus dealt with this. Jesus was constantly bombarded with the agenda of man everywhere he went. Everybody wanted them to do something, speak a certain way, talk about a certain topic. But the Bible tells us something interesting about Jesus. Now, if Jesus had to do this, here would be my, my challenge. You probably should do it also. He is the son of God, God in the flesh, and yet he was bombarded by everybody's agenda. And here's what Jesus had to do. And we see this passage all throughout the gospels. Let me just give it to you once, Luke chapter five. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And what did he do? Now say it loud at every location. He did what? He prayed. He, in other words, he had to get away from the crowds and go, okay, let me communicate with the Father. Let me, let me figure out what's on God's agenda right now. And the response was from that is that he would get the agenda of the Father and then he would be able to go and act. And the Bible says in the response, John chapter 5, says it this way. Just Jesus talking, he says, very truly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. I didn't, I didn't choose to do all this stuff. He says he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. 
In other words, you see me in prayer, I get my agenda from God, and now I go and act, and there's something that happens when we live in such a way that prayer then guides our life. And for far too many Christians, prayer is their spare tire instead of their steering wheel. And I think in your life, things would be a lot better. Your marriage would be healthier. Your kids would be healthier. Maybe that business would thrive a little bit more if prayer wasn't the spare tire you went to when things were broken down, but as your steering wheel that guided your life, you'd see yourself get to a little bit better places. Why? Because you're guided by the agenda of God. How, how, uh, when did Jesus pray? Often. Often, why? He had to stay connected. It reminds me of this phone right here. Uh, this is an iPhone. This is what's called God's favorite phone for all you Android people. I'm actually, I got church online right here, you guys. I'm watching you guys on the chat, and you're shouting out preach. I love that right there. That's awesome. But, but what I love about this phone, you can do everything. I can watch church online through it. I can, uh, I can go on the internet. I can, I can uh, connect with my friends. The other day, I, I had our missionaries that were in Sri Lanka. They're in projects all over the island. I'm on my phone, um, literally sitting there on a Zoom call, encouraging our pastors all around the world as they're all in quarantine uh, through, through this one phone. It's amazing. This phone has so much potential if, if it's charged. <laughs> How many have had that moment where, where for some reason, as soon as the phone dies, you realize all the things that you needed to get done. Your life shuts down right there. Because why? Because you didn't plug it in. You didn't charge it. You didn't connect it to the source. And when it wasn't connected to the source, what happened? It ran out of the ability to do all that it has the potential to do. And let me just say this. How often do you charge your phone? Oh, say it loud. How often do you charge your phone? Some of y'all, y'all got it charged right now. You got one of those cords coming out of your pocket. You're like, I will not lose. I need to make sure my team is still winning during this game. So during this, during this uh, sermon, why? Why? Because you don't want to lose the connection, the potential. So what do you do? You're constantly charging it every chance you get because you want it to live into the potential. Can I encourage you, church? You'll only reach your potential as much as you stay connected to the source. Get in prayer every day. Make it part of your life and watch how as you're connected to the Father, you will see the potential. You'll see the agenda that he has for your life. This is what guides me politically. It's not what some advertisement is. It guides me because of my connection with God. It's I spend time with God. How did people not care about some of the things out there that are political uh, um, things when, if they've spent time with God? Let me tell you, you don't, you don't look at people as some agenda item. You look at them as the people of God, the things that matter. That's why I'm pro-life. I'm a firm believer from the womb to the tomb. People matter to God. It's not because of some advertisement I heard. It's because I spend time with our Father who says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I fashioned you, I loved you. I sit there and go, oh, if God cares about this, I care about this. It's why we care about racial reconciliation. How can we believe that it's okay for a person to stick their, their, their knee on the neck of a human being and sit there and watch them suffocate and not have a moment where we go, God, I know you're not happy with this. I'm going to do something to change it. 
Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something for this. It's why I care. It's why we care about the marginalized and the poor and the broken. And I could go on and on and on, but it's not political for me, it's biblical for me. Because why? Because it's what God cares about. But we have to live in such a way that we are connected with God's agenda. Can I give you a really practical application? I'll move on to the next point. Before you vote, just pray first. <laughs> I, I, know, I know everybody's got an opinion for you. I know everybody's got a, a thing for you. But for you, just do your research and pray. And go to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do? And I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't believe there's a perfect candidate out there. I don't believe there's a perfect party out there. But I think God will guide you. And I think he'll lead you during this season and he'll help you to make your voice count the most. Can I hear a good amen? amen. All right, number two, here's the second thing. This is, this is so crucial. I'm gonna do a little teaching on this and then we'll, we'll close it up. Number two is prayer changes, exchanges what we deserve for what God desires. All throughout history, biblical history and then into even modern history, we've seen nations who have then become self-reliant and self-dependent. And as soon as they get to a place of success, they, uh, they allow secularization to come in. And as soon as they allow secularization to come in, they get this idea that we can do this thing without God. This is not just an American thing. This has happened for thousands of years. We can do this thing without God. And as soon as we do this thing without God, they get puffed up, they get prideful, they remove God from everything that matters. They remove them from the family, they remove them from, the, the, uh, from education, they remove them from the, from the kids, they remove them from, from businesses. And then as soon as you remove God from all of this, there's a puffed up society and the end of that society collapse and it's called the judgment of God. We see this all over the world and all over society that nations rise and then they fall because then they become dependent upon themselves. So what we deserve during this last, I would say the last decade as a nation, is we deserve a collapse. I'm telling you, our nation, I love our country. I love it, I love it, I love it. But our country has continually become more and more secularized, more and more removing God from every aspect of our life. And the more we do this, I want you to know, the result of it is eventually a collapse. So what do we do? And it's not just from our nation, it's from your marriage. Why is the marriage failing? You've removed God from it. Why is the family struggling? You remove God from it. When God is removed, there's always a collapse. He's the thing that holds it up. So how do we, how do we, how do we find resolve to this? How do we find, and some of you are like, man, this guy's so intense. I'm really normally very happy. Two weeks, two weeks from now, I'm preaching at the movies week one, okay? Like, it's going to be fun, okay? So lots of smiling, lots of jokes, the whole deal. So I just want you to know, like, we're okay. We're very happy. I just want to, I, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm not setting us up for this little, like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's not going to be okay if we remove God from our lives. So I want to challenge you. Listen, there's, a, there's something that we deserve because we have removed God from our life. And because of that, we deserve the judgment and the wrath of God. We see it all throughout the scriptures. But here's the good news. The good news is when man deserved destruction... If there was a person that would pray, God would change and you know, those people would be saved. Uh, I'm going to show it to you because it's all, if I had two hours, it wouldn't be enough time to show you all the places. I only got a few minutes, so I'm going to show you a couple of them. All right, this is so crazy. All right, I did some research this last week. The book of Exodus shows us the story. Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He's gone longer than the people wanted. So the people are humans and they go crazy, which we all do. 
So they didn't like to wait, so they made a stupid decision. They get together and they go, God's forsaken us. It's all over. So they gather all their gold together and they started making idols and they started worshiping these idols that they created and they go, well, this is the, this animal that we created out of gold, this is the God that saved us out of Egypt. And they start worshiping. So Moses is on the mountain, he's sitting there about to get the 10 commandments and God says, don't even bother to get them. These people, your people, he didn't even call them his people. Moses, your people, these people are a joke. I'm gonna wipe them off the planet and I'm gonna start with you. We're gonna start fresh. I'm done with them. What did the people deserve? They deserve judgment. What did God say? They're gonna get judgment. It's not what God wanted, but that's what they got for removing God from their life. And here's what the Bible says, Moses prayed to the Lord on behalf of the people. And here's what God did. Look at this in verse 14. So the Lord relented from the harm he said he would do to his people. What, you know what that word relented is? It's translated two different ways. It's translated relented and it's translated repented in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, about 50 something times. Same word, just translated in two different ways. So we use the word repent as turning from sin. But that's not the way the definition is. It's not to turn from sin, it's to turn. So we, we use it as, hey, we're turning from sin. We're just, we're repenting, we're turning from sin. God doesn't sin, but he does repent. He does say, oh, there's a way that I wanted to do it, but because someone prayed, I'm gonna change and I'm gonna go with the prayer instead of what they deserve. And I'm telling you, it changes things in people's lives. Let me show you another one. The book of Jonah, there's a city called Nineveh. It deserved destruction because they were rebellious towards God. So God sent this guy, Jonah, y'all know the story. He runs the opposite way. God says, no, no, you need to go to Nineveh. He, he finally uh, uh, repents on his own, gets in the big fish. You know the story. He sent, gets sent to Nineveh. He preaches 40 days, destruction will happen. 40 days, destruction will happen. And guess what? The people repent from their sin. They listen to the man of God. They repent. And guess what happens? Then God looks at Jonah and goes, hey, Well, you did a good job, and because of that, look at verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord saw their works. They turned from their evil ways, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he didn't do it. And you know what Jonah's response was? He said, man, I'm mad. I've wasted my time. Because he, he actually says this. He goes, God, I knew that if I came here and I did this, you would turn, you would change your mind on this deal. Here's what Jonah knew that we need to understand. He knew the character of God was that, that he wanted people to experience mercy. He knew it so much. And he knew the fact that God wants it so much, but God will not move yet until a person prays. For some reason, he puts it in our, in our court. And this is what I love, is that God never changes his character. Write it on your notes. He never changes his character, but he does change his mind. And his character is that of love and of, and of mercy and of compassion. He wants America saved. He wants your family rescued. He wants that child to come home to the faith. Even if they've screwed up terribly, he'll never change his character. And I just want you to know this, but he will change his mind. Even if they say, man, there's no hope. There is hope if you'll start to pray. Let me give you one more. I'm about out of time, but I got to give you this one. This one was in my quiet times this week. I'm reading through the Bible chronologically. I try to read through it every year. And I get to the end of the story of the guy by the name of Hezekiah. 
Now, I have read through the Bible a few dozen times. I never saw this story until this week, and I think it's because God wanted me to share it with you. This is the very end of his life. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And so a prophet is sent to Hezekiah and says it this way. This is what the Lord says. Put your, and who said this? Who said it? The Lord said this. This is a, pro, a prophet from God. Put your house in order. You are going to die and you will not recover. All right, now that's not a good prognosis right there. That's not what you want to hear from God. Like, come on, give me my best life, a new car, a new house. That's what I want to hear. This is not what he hears. And then look at the response of Hezekiah. He did not say, well, God is sovereign. Whatever he wants to do, he's going to do. Whether I pray or not, whether I vote or not, I'm just one person. No, 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 no. Hezekiah knew his role as a person that is a follower of God, that prayer has power. And here's what happens. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And guess what happened when he prayed? This is what the Lord, your God, the Father, your Father David says. I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears and I will do what? Heal you. And guess what the next verse says? I'm not going to just heal you. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Why? Because one person says we're not going to settle for what we deserve. We're going to settle for what God desires. And God desires that none should perish, that America shall be saved, that people shall come back to the faith. We need to be a praying church. That's why I believe, James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. It conquers much. You notice that word? He doesn't say a perfect man. He says a righteous man. That, that means a person who is right standing with God. We are in right standing with God, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. You need to start praying. Stop giving up. I'm telling you, things can change. Because when we stop praying, write it down in your notes, things start deteriorating. They do. I'm going to leave that up there for a second because some of you guys have no clue how to spell deteriorating. <laughs> trying to help you out. <laughs> Worship teams at every location you can come. Number three, I hope you're learning something today. I hope you're getting challenged today. I, there's some people that just, you've, you've gone, well, this is just the way it's always going to be. My family's always going to be screwed up. My kids are always going to be on drugs. No, 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 no. There is power in praying people. Things will change. Even if they deserve destruction, your prayer can change it. I'm telling you we need to be these people. Number three, the prayers of a few can change the outcome of many. It's not just prayer will change your life, but I'm telling you, prayer is the solution that can change our nation. It can change everything. You go back 2,800 years, Solomon had just built the temple. The very first time in human history that God had a temple built on his behalf. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And as they're gathered in the temple for a time of celebration, they are giving a challenge from God. This is a challenge for when God's people are together. And I would think the first time they're gathered back together, what would the challenge be? And here's the challenge. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, he says it this way. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
and turn and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Look at that verse. If, then. If, then. If we do our part, God does this part. We understand if, then. If you speed, then you get a ticket. It's just what happens. That's why you slam on the brakes on the interstate when you see that cop, that police officer. Why? Because you know you're wrong. If you eat the donut, then you gain the weight. If you attend Radiant Church, then you'll join a family that changes the whole world. It's just the normal if-thens. If you buy a cat, you will hate your life. If-then. If-then, it's, it's, just, it's just a natural consequence. So put it up there. If, if what's our part? If my people. We have a responsibility. Who are called by my name. Will do what? Will humble themselves. Not, not sitting out there, we got it all together. We know what to do. No, 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 no. We humble ourselves before our God. We don't have the answers. He has the answers. And we pray and we seek his face. You know what that means? Prayer is not a one-time thing. It's a constant pursuit. We're going to continue to seek after God. And we're going to turn from our wicked ways. We're going to stop doing what we know we need to stop doing. And we're going to go towards God. Then here's what he's going to do. He's going to hear from heaven. He's going to forgive our sin. And he's going to heal our land. This is what America needs. So our responsibility, write it down in your notes. Our responsibility is prayer and obedience. We pray, and whatever God tells us to do, we do it. We turn from our sins, we seek him, and here's God's response to it. If we will do our part, God's response is hearing and healing. We can't heal it. We can't fix it. November 3rd's not going to fix it, but God can fix it. And what is it? It's going to happen when God's people pray. So I thought, why not end our services today at every location? Why don't we stand to our feet? Don't get restless for a second. We're going to take two minutes, and we are going to pray for our land, and we're going to pray for your needs in your life right now. You know, there's all this talk today about election interference. You know, you've heard this, like, oh, man, the, the Russians are interfering. The Iranians are interfering. Facebook is interfering. Twitter is interfering. What would happen if God's people started to interfere through prayer with the elections and say, God, we know you're not done with our land. We know you're not done with our nation. You're not done with our city. You're not done with our church. Lord, we pray. Come on, church, let's pray. God, we repent on behalf of our nation. Lord, we are a nation that has turned from you. So God, we pray that you start with us. We humble ourselves. We pray. We turn from our wicked ways and we believe, God, that you will hear from heaven. You will heal our land and you will send revival to change our nation. Let it start with your church. Let it start with us. Come on, let's sing it out together in every location.
done. I just, I mean, I feel it in this room. There's just a moment of breakthrough for your life. Every month I make a prayer list of things that we're gonna be, I mean, I'm praying for and believing God for. And there's some of them that have been on there for years. There have been things I've been praying for for years, but there's some of them, like, like I know my mom's watching right now. For 10 years, she was uh, between um, her and my dad's divorce till she got married. For 10 years, she was single. And she was praying, I was praying and praying and praying. And I'm telling you, I believe it was in a time of prayer that, that everything changed. And, and God gave her an amazing husband. They watch every single Sunday. They love you guys. And they say, a prayer changes things. I think some of you guys have given up on stuff. Pastor David, I, I want you to come up here. I want you to share that. Just a few, a month or two ago, he preached on our services here. And he talked about, he was praying for a child. And, and him and his wife have been trying for, hey, let's get the, yeah, here we go. They've been, they've been trying for a, a while to get pregnant. And, and then it, it was that week, during 21 days of prayer, that uh, we don't even know what happened, but, but y'all were believing God. And then you got the report. Yeah. We got a baby boy. Baby boy! Don't tell me it's coincidence. There's something happens when you start praying, coincidences start happening often in your life. You have a need in your life at every location. Throw one hand up to heaven. Let's bring it up to heaven. Come on, don't give up a prayer. Lord, you see these needs. Lord, you see your church. Lord, I pray. Healing of marriages. Healing of bodies. Lord, people who are barren. Bring up children. People who need breakthrough in their finances. Lord, would you do a miracle in people's lives? We will pray. God, would you work? Come on, sing that one God. with Jesus, how do you start? You start through prayer. It's a confession. It's, it's, it's a prayer is just simply talking to God. You go, and I've never done that. This is your moment right now. You're going to have this moment where you confess to God your need for a Savior, your desire to have that relationship with Him. You're going to say right there, I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer, and I believe it'll change your life. If you're at one of our locations, you go, Aaron, I'm not where I need to be with God, but I want to be. I want to be forgiven. I want to be put on the right path. I want to give Jesus my past. I want to give him my future. I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you today, God's speaking to you at every location. On the count of three, throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. Ready? One, two, three. Every location. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many people. Thank you at Brandon, those at St. Pete Heights online. Let's pray this prayer. Let's pray it out loud. It might be the first time many of you have ever prayed. You're not praying it to me. You're not praying it to your neighbor. You're praying it to the God of the universe, and he's hearing your prayer from heaven. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for hearing me. Today, I make a decision to give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. Forgive my sins. Give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, 
Come on, let's celebrate. Life shape for eternity. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.